Welcome back to Making It So. I'm your host Craig and my co-host Maddie. How are you going, mate? You know about yourself, mate. Okay. Another week, just another week. Just another week, and the last week, like, yeah, you know, no, no more Star Trek next week. <laughs> no more Strange New Worlds. For, mm. Yeah, who knows how long at this point with the writer strike and yeah, exactly actor strike. It's pretty crazy. Mm. So. This is our episode number 21, and we're covering season two, episode 10 of Strange New Worlds, and the episode title is Hegemony. Yeah. Before we start, though, a little bit of Star Trek news, mm-hmm. and uh, is it news or is it more, you know, what people want? Look, I've been, I've been biting my tongue all season. Oh, okay. Is it news or is it news? News, news. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's just one of my things. Okay, fair enough. I'm a radio nerd. Tomato, it's, tomato. It's one of my things. Potato, potato. <laughs> um, anyway, so there has been some calls out there mm. for Strange New World Season 3 to have more than 10 episodes. I've been reading that in the last few days as well. Interesting. People want like 20 episodes per season. But I don't know if we should do that because with the quality of what we have been getting with 10 episodes, I think it's about right. If anything, maybe 15 but I think otherwise, if you go to 20, like old Star Trek, you, you get some filler episodes. I mean, we got some filler episodes this season. Um, yeah, I guess people like what they what they know, what they're comfortable with. I'm very comfortable with, yeah, the old 90s style syndicated like, kind was it of... 26 episodes. Yeah, 26 episodes that they, they were doing a season. So, yeah, it's one of those things. It's like, well, do you want... Like, unless this, this show is making a heap of money for the the studios. Well, Paramount lost something like 400 and something yeah. million dollars. And it's like, aside from subscriptions now, how else can Star Trek make the money? Like, there's no... Well, they have done... Uh, they, I did see the other week, um, like a Blu-ray release of uh, Strange New World Season 1. So they are That's doing, cool. they are doing you know, home, home release. But it's like, there's not really much merch... Out there, there's no toy lines, there's none of that kind of stuff. You can buy a little bit of stuff from the StarTrek.com website and stuff like that, but I feel like Paramount's not making any money off that. No. You know, because, but I could, I mean, I could be wrong there. So I guess the thing is, so say for example, they've, and obviously this is probably way under what they get, but it's like, say they've got um, a budget of $10 million for a season and they're going, okay, roughly we're going to spend a million dollars an episode. Obviously it's not that, but it's like, what is in it for Paramount to go, okay, well, we're suddenly going to give you $20 million uh, a season to do 20 episodes. What's... You know, what? what's the incentive for them to do that? Yeah, exactly. And then so the flip side then is it's like Paramount going, okay, well, we're going to give you the same amount of money and you've got to make it stretch twice as far yeah. by giving us double the... Ep- the show doesn't even have any sets as it is. It's all that bloody video screen. Mm. I was whinging about it last week or the week before that they do, we don't have enough rooms in the Enterprise to go to as it is. And honestly, this season, not to give anything away, we'll talk about it next week, but I just feel like... The writers are already kind of stretching. Okay. Um, I don't know if, if I would tr- trust them to do 20 episodes in the same amount of time um, when they can't even get a lot of this stuff, quote-unquote, right. It, it's funny you, you mentioned that because I, I didn't know that, w- that was a thing and one of the frustrations, I think, and we'll talk about it next week in the in sort of the, the season wrap, I think is one of the frustrations I had with this season is, like, what are we doing? Like, there's so, so many episodes this season to me felt just like, 
guys, what are we doing? Well, at the start of the season, like the very first episode, we had like them detect the Gorn on long range scans. Mm. I thought we were going to get like a whole long season arc yeah. with little bits leading up to it, but we really got nothing and until I, this episode. And I feel like the the fan consensus too is like, what was Broken Circle? Like Ad Astra should have been the first episode of the season. Yep. What that first episode, Broken Circle. Yes, we got the introduction of Pellier and it set up a lot of things that we need. We could talk about all this next week. We're yes. getting ahead of ourselves. Yeah, no, I just, um, <laughs> yeah, I just, it's funny because I was saying to myself last time, I was like, wow, like, we're only going to get maybe 50 episodes of this show. Like, it, if it only oh, runs for yeah. five seasons, we're only going to get 50 episodes. And yeah. so that's why each episode really, really counts for this show. Yeah, I, I would like to see the quality improve rather than. Give me less. Not that it's been bad though overall. No, it's still been enjoyable, but um, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about it. Next we'll talk week. about that next. We'll week. Talk about it next. Anyway, week. let's get on with the synopsis, shall we? Sure. You having trouble with your new buttons? No, no, they work. When the Enterprise investigates an attack on a colony at the edge of Federation space, Captain Pike and the crew face the return of a formidable enemy, directed by was it Maha. Vrivillo? Sorry, I really just wrecked say that with name. Confidence, say it with confidence. Uh, Maha Vrillo, no. and written by Henry Alonzo Myers. That name sounds familiar. Yeah, he's, he's written something before. Yeah, staff writer Anitra Johnson's still in there as well. So, anyway, Maddie, overall, just your initial, just overall on this episode, good or bad? But first, <laughs> I always seem to forget Lucky that. <laughs> uh, all right. If, um, you, if you haven't uh, watched the episode yet, please go away. Watch. Yeah, we are talking massive spoilers here. You know, like, unless you want to be spoiled, that's mm. up to you. Anyway, Maddie. I thoughts? guess if you're forcing me into a binary of good or bad, I would say when two pr- things are presented before you, two paths are before you, Choose the third path. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. So it was, it's fine. Yeah, I liked it, it overall. I liked I it overall. The the hardest part for me is I have a lot of questions because of we get the big surprise at the end that da 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 to be continued. It's a two parter. It's a it's a, it's a cliffhanger. So a lot of the issues I may have with this may get wrapped might, up. Might get wrapped up next next episode uh, in, in eighteen months <laughs> <laughs> or more, <laughs> or more. Uh, conservatively, uh, twelve months at the at the minimum. Yeah, it was fine. It was fine. So the episode itself opens up with Battelle's ship, the Cayuga, in orbit of a planet, mm. Parnassus Beta. Which is an old West colony outside of Federation space. Like, why the hell would you put it outside of Federation space? Or why isn't Federation space like surrounding it? Yeah, I feel like that's <laughs> that's exploration one one. It's like own a space before you put a colony on it. Yeah, let, let's not just go out there and be like, ah, oh, we'll be right. <laughs> you think fucking white people colonizers would have learnt their lesson by now? And just you know, don't just plant a flag on it and call, like wait until it's yours before you start fucking with it. Yeah, like. Whose space is it actually in? Mm. Like, obviously, at the moment, it seems to be Gorn space. <laughs> yeah, which I think might even be a throwback to Arena. Something in my brain sticks out about, like, when they go to that planet where there's a colony and the Gorn are attacking it, it's because it's, like, their 
they're saying it's their land or what or something like that, yep. their planet or something like that. Got a feeling that Gorn just say whatever the hell they want is theirs anyway. <sighs> Very true. So it sounds like colonizers and just, and just grow whatever <laughs> whatever appendages they want as well, and just do whatever whatever they want. But we'll get to that. Yeah. Okay. So Chapel is there helping um, them with vaccinations mm. in pants. Did you notice that? I don't know whether she was like that in the. Kajal episode or whatever, but she wasn't wearing her white onesie. She was wearing a white top, black pants. Was with she? Then, I didn't even yeah, notice that. With then like the, uh, which makes sense, I guess, if you're doing like she's got like the away team jacket away team. on. Yeah, she got the away team jacket on. So yeah, but yeah, she was. She had black pants and um and a white top. Which yeah, I don't know that I've seen her before in that. Very interesting. No, yeah. I didn't notice that at all. Anyway, yeah, interesting. Anyway, Chapel and Battelle were having a bit of a chat, um, but then Chapel, you know. Beams up to the Kayuga again. And yeah, like, oh, okay. she's, she's helping out because they're giving her a lift to her fellowship. Yes. Yeah, which to me seems a little bit strange because at the end of the last episode, they said that they've got a priority one mission, mm. didn't they, for the Kayuga? Yeah. So, yeah, was that priority one mission to go give some vaccinations? Yeah, because it did. I wasn't <laughs> yeah. really paying a huge amount of attention to like the captain's log thing, but it's like. Was it like a vaccinations because they were like flat out dying, or was it just to improve their just to improve their yeah. their, their you know quality of life? So I'm like, is that a priority one? Yeah, because like, like if they were dying from a from a plague, absolutely. The the way I sort of saw it as being set up was it was a priority one because maybe that place was going to be attacked mm. and they were going there to protect them. Yeah, but. It seemed like in you know Battelle's mind there was nothing to do with the Gorn going to happen there anyway. No, it was all no. pretty safe, and yeah, they were all well, and chilled. Then we, we find out there was the Star Diver or whatever was just like one one system over as well, and, and that got fucked up. Mm. So yeah, a little bit of a little bit of dis- discontinuity there between episodes, which um, I feel like is becoming a theme. What do you think of the name of the that ship, the Star Diver? I don't know. I'm not, I don't know if I'm a fan. Yeah, I'm like there's been some weird names over the years of ships. Star, Stargazer, I get. I don't know if Star Diver is is a thing. I don't know if that's no. a uh, like a term. Like Cayuga is, um, I believe it's a Native American term for like it's a it's a it's an area. Like I don't it's, know. It's like a. I really don't. I didn't even think like to look in, it up. In the same way, like the Cerritos is, you know, part of um, LA or whatever, because all the California classes are named after parts of California. Um, the Cayuga is like part of North America that is, but it's the Native American name, I believe. Yeah. So the Cayuga means people of the wetlands. They belong mm. to the Iroquian language family and were one of the original five nations of the League of the Iroquois who traditionally lived in New York. The five nations yeah. were the Mohawk, the Oneida, the Onondaga, the Sinequa and the Cayuga. Yeah. So okay. That's pretty cool. Yeah, so it, yeah, it's Native I, American stuff. I remember when I first heard, I was like, "Oh, that sounds sounds like a Native American word." Um, yeah, so I don't know what star diver is. No. Hmm. Uh, anyway, interesting. Doesn't matter now because it's gone. Anyway, so Chris, you know, calls his girlfriend, and they have a little bit of a bit of a chat there while she's on the planet, and she yeah, seems look- pretty happy that he's calling her, and you know, basically telling her how he feels a little bit. And then the signal cuts out. I don't mind it, but it also is very... Like, he's having his morning coffee. He's, you know, that's fine for him. She's answering a personal call during a priority one 
uh, vision, like, and just has like an. I, I don't like the new kind of like. Oh, we've all just got iPads that we can FaceTime each other with now. <laughs> like it makes sense for it our makes sense world for us, yeah, because we're used to that. But it's like, well, Trek didn't like that world didn't exist that way. So just the way she can just take a personal call in the middle of a mission. I mean, she did jokingly like say, "Hey, I'm I'm a working, I'm working. girl. I'm, I know what I'm doing." Um, and the fact that he seemed to be able to just his iPad was able to call her iPad. They didn't have to like patch it through the bridges of both of their ships to get it or anything like that. Just felt a little bit weird to me. At the end of the day, I don't really care because it was just we needed to get the cutout so that he could be like, well, something's up. We need to go rescue my girl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you notice though that he was holding the necklace that she gave him in his hand? Yes. As well? Which I thought was pretty cool. That was a good little uh good little throwback there. And then we get to, like as it cuts out, we get to see a crashing Starfleet shuttle. Which and obviously later on, we figure out that that shuttle mm. wasn't from the Cayuga because they were a bit like that's not one of ours, and then yeah we find out it was Montgomery Scott. Mm. We'll get to that. Yeah, but we'll get to that. Mm. Anyway, the Gorn ship enters the atmosphere, and that thing was massive. Yeah, it was very. Um, it like, looked very intimidating, and the whole shot I think was very like Independence Day inspired. It reminded me a little bit of um, oh, what was. Old matey's ship in Guardians of the Galaxy as it comes in through the atmosphere. Oh, uh, Ronan's. Yeah, Ronan's ship. Yeah, yeah kind of reminded me of that. of that sort of scene a little bit. And I think they probably took a little bit of um, inspiration from that. Uh, Maybe I would, not. I would say it's more um, uh, Independence Day. Oh, yeah, that too. Yeah, just the way the clouds and all that kind yeah. of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. No, I thought I thought that was really cool. And then she she sends a subspace message um, out into space to anyone from Starfleet that can hear it and the Enterprise just happens to hear it because, mm. you know, I'm just wondering, like, at this stage of Starfleet, like, how many Starfleet ships are actually, like, way out there? Yeah. Like, because it's still, you know, this is before Kirk's five-year mission and, mm. you know, they've already done, like, April's five-year mission and, you know, is this their five-year mission? Yeah. I don't know. And again, and, and I'll get into the science of it later. There was a few little weird sort of sciencey things. It's like, well, if... Kirk was FaceTiming her and that got blocked, like by the ship coming in and stuff like that. How did she get a message out? That's true. You know what I mean? So I wanted a little more science in my science fiction. I wanted, I want little, little loopholes like that. I want explained. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Mm. No, that, that, that's, that definitely makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, Pike speaks to Admiral April and yeah, Admiral April, I don't know. Sometimes he annoys me. Sometimes he doesn't. Yeah, I think I'm at the point now where I'm, I'm like, let's just have other admirals sometimes. Yeah, well, like, we seem to just be having this one admiral the whole time. Yeah, like, remember, like, Next Generation where it was just every other week there was a different admiral? And then like, and they're all shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's like sometimes you would get the recurring, um, I remember the blonde lady that Picard didn't get along with, what was her name? Um, admiral Nechaev. Yeah. Um, and... She kind of was specifically dealt with like Marquis Cardassian stuff because then she recurred in DS9 as well. So I was like, anytime there was stuff dealing with the Cardassians and Marquis, it was always Admiral Chair because obviously it must have been her little area she had to look into. But then they would have different admirals here and there. Even Lower Decks has different admirals popping yep. in and out, like kind of stuff. So, um, Admiral One Amigo. Yeah. So I'm just like, maybe sometimes we can just have other, other admirals. Yeah. I wonder if they filmed like all of his parts the entire season in one day. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> like, 
because he's only had really small bits suddenly. Mm. Like, and imagine like getting made up all the time for and putting the yeah, uniform Yeah, lucky he's on. not an alien or anything like oh, that. Yeah. That's got to get. Imagine if you had to sit through. Like, I wonder that with um, uh, going funny enough, going back to Guardians of the Galaxy, um, part three dropped on Disney Plus um uh, this week. Great people. Sponsor the show. <laughs> um, not at the moment, depending <laughs> depending where you sit on, on yeah, which, yeah. which side of the uh, which side of the aisle you're on. Um, but yeah, like there was that moment where Yondu shows up is like a Craglin kind of just sees him as a vision or something like that, and I go, God, I hope that was just like a reuse, a little reuse of, of another bit of him from somewhere else, and they didn't just bring his ass all the way in, put him in all that. So that he could just look and smile and then disappear and never be hurt. Like, I'm like, that would suck. So, yeah, I guess at least, you know, April didn't have to yeah, sit through prosthetics or imagine if he was like an Orion, he had to just get painted green just to do that one little, that one little thing that would get yeah, annoying. Nah, nah, nah. Anyway, I, I like, as Pike is talking to April, I can see what April's trying to do, be like, yeah, not everybody is the same as us and has the same like sensibilities type of thing as us. And then they were like, yeah, sometimes a monster is just a monster. Yeah. Like referring to the Gorn. The, I'm like, oh, yeah, like that. Yeah, they are. That's true. The real problem I'm having with this, and I guess it, it's more with the scene that comes afterwards where they receive the message from Admiral April and it's like the Gorn have made contact with the Federation, They're, you know, and they've sent the transmission saying, here's our, you know, here's our... Here's the line in the blah, sand. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And then obviously everything that happens in this episode... It makes original series Kirk look dumb for not knowing who the Gorn are when he has to. He's the first one to like quote unquote face one on Cestus Three, and I did some reading into it after I watched the episode last night. And yeah, so the the person who wrote or wrote or did whatever that Gorn episode last week, uh, oh sorry, last season, was like, oh, you basically can interpret what. Kirk says about the Gorn because there's really only one mention because it's I don't know if you remember the episode very well the the arena episode I did go back and watch it um last week um the Gorn attacks Cestus 3 and then like peace out on their ship the Enterprise chases them they get intercepted by this like benevolent species called the Metrons Mm -hmm. and they're the ones that trap the both of them put each of them on Cestus 3 and then Kirk just has this little um uh like captain's log supplemental the Metrons have put me on on the planet to face a creature called a Gorn. And so the creators of this show are saying like, well, what if the Metrons didn't know what a Gorn was and they just called it a Gorn, but that wasn't really a Gorn, but what we're seeing now are Gorn. Interesting. And that's their reasoning behind saying, A, why these Gorn look so different and B, like why... Like and and they're still sort of being like, okay, so you, you, your canon interpretation of Arena is untouched, but it's also like, well, Kirk and Scotty were on, uh, no, um, Spock and Scotty were on the bridge watching in that episode. If you watch the whole episode, the Metrons allow the bridge of the Enterprise to watch everything that's going on on the surface. Yeah. So I I I just feel like when they're and I guess this is something I was going to save till for next week, but it's like. The whole reason in that one episode was it lost in translation where um, Pike was fleet captain for the episode was to slave to one piece of canon where uh, Kirk said, like the original series Kirk says, oh, I met Captain Pike once when he was fleet captain. Ah, yeah, okay. So they did all that rigmarole just for that moment 
but then they're happy to complete... Just for one random line. Then yeah. they're completely happy to like manipulate everything to get all this stuff out of the Gorn. And I'm just like, you can't pick and choose what you decide. Like, you know, anyway. So I, ha- I have seen some sort of like beta canon and like fan theories and stuff online with the Gorn. And it's it kind of fits if you think about it. Like, so these younger Gorn that we are seeing, you know, they're quite hyper-violent and all that sort of stuff. And there, there may be like two separate species of Gorn on their planet yes. as well, which kind of make, but as they get older, they obviously get smarter, mm. but then they get slower as well, which would explain why the one that Kirk faced in the original series was super slow. Yeah. Um, there was a line in it about that as well, but it's also that Gorn didn't have a tail. So it's like, it's, it's the show's responsibility to explain to us these things. It's like we spent as fans, we spent 30 years going, Hey, why do original series Klingons not have ridges and then from next generation on they do? And it wasn't until like fucking Enterprise of all things that like solved it. And all us fans were just like, oh, thank God they finally addressed it. And, you know, that not having a tail really could show that there are two separate species of Gorn Correct. on that planet. Yeah, and it's like there's, you know, you're two different kinds of Romulans and you're two different kinds of... Gorns. So it's like, sure, but it's like, well, tell us that. Yeah. Like... Like I said before, you find well, they don't know it at this stage, do they? <laughs> but as as for us, yeah, as a, as an audience, it it hampers my enjoyment. Like we're all sci-fi nerds, we want to know shit. So explain it to us. It's that's your job as a writer is to explain it. So it's like, why write something that I'm intentionally not going to enjoy because you haven't finished it? Yep. Like I, I said, if you're going to go to all the hassle of telling me, like making a uh, Pike a fleet captain for an hour. <laughs> um, to service that one little bit of canon, then, you know, in for a penny, in for a pound. Yeah. Either ignore it all or use it all. Anyway, the, the Enterprise warps into the system and they come around that moon and then the Cayuga is just there completely destroyed. Yeah. Like, that was a really cool shot. Like, they, they did a great job with the CGI there and... Like, to, to have the ship that destroyed, I thought, like, that was really, really good. I enjoyed that a lot. Yeah, done and dusted. Like, because at that point, like, that class of ship is the most powerful thing that Starfleet has. Mm. Like, and it's just been completely wiped out by this Gorn ship. It's yeah. just destroyed. Well, and there was, I did, in preparation for this episode, I did go back and watch the Gorn episode from last season, mm-hmm. uh, whatever it was called, the one where Hammer dies. Yep. Um... And that was like, they kind of skirted around it in that one just so they could obviously use their own sets again. Because we've never seen on board the Cayuga. You know, so they did haven't even reused the Enterprise sets to be the Cayuga. But whatever that ship was last season, they said it wasn't a Constitution class, but it uses the same components, is what Mbenga said. Mm. So that they could obviously use their sets to run around on it and just dirty them all up. Yeah, okay. But then when you see them at the end of the episode towing it off the planet, it looks exactly like a Constitution class. <laughs> but they said it's not a Constitution class. So I'm like, what are we doing here, guys? Interesting. I'll have to rewatch um, it. So this is, you know, I don't know what happened to that ship, if they were able to salvage it or not. Um, but, yeah, so the Gorn are taking out, like, the, 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 best, the best we have to offer at this, at this stage. Yeah, right. And then, then we go to the opening credits. And we're just like, okay, right, the Cayuga's been destroyed. Like, what mm. is happening with everyone? Like, obviously, we saw Christine 
chapel like beam up to the Cayuga. Is she still alive? Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, we know that she is going to be still alive. It's a prequel show, guys. Yeah. <laughs> and and that that that's come to my thoughts quite a few times as well. Like you see Pike, and you're like you're looking at the odds, and you're like the odds are not good here that they're going to survive. But we do know that Pike does survive, so mm. it's, it it does make it. It has less um, stakes for me. Yeah. Because we do know that a lot of these characters are surviving. Make it one of the characters we don't know. Make, put La'an on the Cayuga. Put Ortega's on the Cayuga. Make make the ones that we don't know are in the sequel show <laughs> or the original show. Um, make it one of them. Put Pellier on the Cayuga. You know, someone that we don't know whether they survive or not. So it actually gives us um, some stakes because they built it up and then we obviously don't see... Um, chapel till like the last act or whatever it is and it's just like oh yeah of course she's alive because her name's in the credits exactly she has to be in the next show and like for me as well like i've built more of a like a connection to these characters as well so i care about what happens to them more than i say do with discovery characters oh yeah absolutely yeah drink yeah (laughs) 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 imagine how many fucking drinks we'd have if every time yeah, every time we shit on Discovery, you got drink. Yeah, I wasn't so much shitting on it, but yeah, it was a little bit, yeah. actually. No, it's fine. I, I don't begrudge you. <laughs> Our other fan, like the people listening to this show, like what do you guys think of Discovery? I know we shit on it a, quite a bit. Like, you know, do some of you actually like it? Send mm. us a DM. Let me know. You know, comment on, you know, the Facebook and Instagram posts that I put out for this. Let, let us know. <laughs> you old man. <laughs> anyway. There's silence on the bridge seeing the Cayuga destroyed. Like, mm. it's just like, everyone's like, wow. Like, that ship is the same as ours. And we're supposed to be the biggest, baddest thing around. Yeah, it was and kind it's of just destroyed. like, well, like three quarters of the dish was there, but the rest of it was gone. Like the nacelles, the star drive, everything was just debris. I'm actually surprised that there was still any power going on that, uh, mm. on that saucer section. Like, it was just destroyed, eh? Yeah, yeah, it was munted. So... Um, the Gorn have deployed some countermeasures to prevent comms and beaming. So that comes back to what you were saying before. I have some big issues with this science. All right. Let's, uh, let's hear it, Matty. It doesn't make sense. Okay. Show you what. You can, you can have an interference field. Great. Not a problem. Like, great. The whole problem is that Uhura goes, I'm receiving a message from Starfleet from outside the field. Mm-hmm. So you can receive, if you're inside that field, you can still receive messages from outside of it. Yep. What's the fucking point in it then? <laughs> it just means Stops you, you sending stuff out. Stop, it creates confusion inside that field and means you can't communicate within that field. So what would then have stopped the Enterprise? Because if, if, they got that, it was purely so that the, they had their orders to say, you're not allowed to cross that line. And that was the moment that it had to come. I get that. But they could have received it en route or something like that. They could have found a way around it. It felt very, very lazy to me. And it also, it could have, the Enterprise simply could, like, because they get the message and Pike's like, and the music swells and builds up to face. He goes, senior staff in my ready room now. We're having a meeting. Okay. Writers on your writer's strike, this is why you're not getting paid more. (laughs) (laughs) I'm joking. (laughs) Oh, yeah, <laughs> but to me, it's like the simplest thing. If you're not allowed to cross that line and you're just hanging in space and you're inside a disruption field, the very, very simplest thing to do would be for the Enterprise to pop just outside that field so they can reply to the message and say, 
hey, the Cayuga's been destroyed. Back up, please. Well, and who puts or a, something? Who puts know? a demarcation line halfway through a system anyway? Yeah, right. Like Gorn, like that was just like this is your line in the sand, like. Yeah. You know, like, come on, guys. Like, put it outside the system and say you're, the entire system belongs to you now. Yeah. But just, like, who develops a technology that it's, like, disrupts communications, but you can still receive communications from outside the disruption field? Mm. Like, that... What? How does so, how does that help them? Real world, generally, it works the other way around. So, I know, like, with our... um electronic countermeasures and stuff that we used in places like Afghanistan, we couldn't receive signals in, but we could still send them out and we'd send it blind. So it does generally work the other way around. Mm, yeah, I just, I don't know. I just, I need, I need more science. For that. <laughs> I need them to exp- explain it to me like I'm five because to me that from a tactical point of view, how does that help? Mm. You know what I mean? What did you think about uh, old Sam Kirk uh, walking into the middle of their brief, volunteering to go kill, kill Gorn, basically? Barely an inconvenience. <laughs> just just happens to just walk into a senior officer's meeting and goes, at the exact right moment, no one even heard the doors open. No, they, I didn't they, hear it. He, they he, didn't. He was he standing in the corner. Yeah, the whole time. He was, you know what he was? He was cleaning up his mess. He'd had a meeting with Spock earlier. He was in the corner just like scraping his crumbs oh, into a thing. I was wondering what mess you were talking about. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that was super convenient. But I thought it was cool that he was like, yeah, I volunteered to go kill Gorn. And then Benga's like, yeah, I do too. <laughs> and La'an as well. And I'm like, oh, you got to remember these are like Starfleet officers, guys. But I feel like original series era... They're a little more cowboy. So oh, yeah. I'm like, okay, I, I can buy this. But it's like, yeah, if this was like, imagine if that was like Picard and his crew sitting around going, who wants to volunteer to go and murder some, some fucking lizards? All right. So this thing, this next part, like where they beamed in crate number 32, mm. like it seemed like only obviously Pike and Spock kind of knew about it, but La'an didn't. And she's a security chief. Yeah. Like why would they keep that sort of stuff secret instead of just going, hey, we've just got new weapons. Yeah, why not just the whole fleet? Yeah, fuck off all there. the old ones that you've got and just bring in the new ones and not keep it a secret that it's specifically for Gorn only. Like, that's dumb. Yeah. Because, like, imagine... Because, obviously, it's like the Cayuga wasn't expecting Gorn. So they didn't have a chance. Like, you assume the Cayuga would have had a case, a couple of cases of those as well. Mm. And it's like, well, if all the people on the surface were armed, they would have had a better chance to fight off the Gorn when they're down there instead of them having impotent weapons, give them the next the next version. Like yeah. It does, yeah, it doesn't make sense. It's like for us now, like, yeah, we get replaced weapons at work. Like, we get new ones that are big, bigger and better. Like, just get rid of the old ones. Yeah. You know, stop trying to hide them for a special day. It makes no sense. Yeah, and they try to sort of tie in, in a bow what I was saying before about the bad the bad writing around the um, the interference field. Because Kirk goes, oh, you know, oh, Kirk. Pike goes, oh, um, transporter chief, do we still have intership uh, transporters? Fu- like, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, that's fine. I'm like, oh, is it just convenient? Convenient. It all, it almost felt with those weapons. It was kind of like a Section Thirty One thing without saying Section Thirty One. Mm. They had these special, like, because they were dark and black, and yeah, I was like, oh, I don't know, I don't know. And then, and this is something I spoke about earlier: is we may get a payoff next episode whenever that arrives but they did make a point about having nitrogen grenades yes they haven't used it yet that had nothing to do with them with the rest of the episode so i'll put a pin in that 
And if they address that in, in part two... Yeah, they need to use that. It. But if they don't, then what was the point in bringing them up? Yeah, mm. actually. And now that you, yeah, now that you mentioned... And it's going to be that long between when they actually start writing the next one. I wonder if the writers will actually remember that yeah, they mentioned they it. Yeah, they had no sugar <laughs> as well. Uh, I guess they have to sit down and watch the episode, don't they? Yeah. Come on, what did we actually say? Unfortunately, what's going to happen is that uh, that uh, stasis field that, that uh, Battelle is in, even though she's not going to die, it's going to age her a lot when she gets out of it in two years. <laughs> All right, so Erica pilots the shuttle after her idea to, to get through. There was some. I re- thought that was cool. There were some really good moments uh, for Erica in this, even though it was still very much helm-based, and once they got to the planet... She had that one little moment with Mbenga and then that was kind of it for her for the episode. Um, It was nice. You know, they brought back the fact that she's been, you know, harping on him for months that she wants to be part of an away team. Um, It was a little bit like, I feel like they either wrote her to either be dumb herself or patronizing to number one and Pike when she's like, what's looking at the map? She says, "What's, what's this stuff over here? And they're like, the debris of the Cayuga? Yeah. She knows that. Yeah, exactly. And she's like, what's this? Oh, okay. Well, let's let's use that then. I'm like, either she's dumb or she's condescending. One right. or two. I can't I can't tell. Yeah, no. Right. Um, they could have written that line a little bit better. And she goes, Well, she could she could have just been the one to identify well, all this debris that's on their side of the line, they're ignoring it. Let's use that as a I would have liked so obviously when we saw the shuttle as well, like we saw all that debris stuck to it. Mm. I would like to have just seen like half a second where they were like, you know, like polarize the hull or something to like drag all that stuff on onto it. Yeah, because that would have been nice it, to see. How was it stuck to how it? How did it was it were they using spare parts from the Enterprise yes. that they stuck on there? Or did they actually go full like Firefly Serenity and stick debris from yep. their dead friends? Um, onto the ship to get it through. And it would only have taken like three seconds yeah, to tell us that. Show it your would work. Be nice. show, yeah. show us the work. Yeah, yeah. It would be Especially nice. when you don't have a 44-minute restriction. You can, Yeah, you can give us three seconds of that. Yeah. it's And it's like we had that unnecessary like, like zoom in through the debris to then find the shuttle as it's just going in a straight line. It's like we didn't need all that. You could have saved your money. You could have given us... Uh, a three-second shot of, like you said, of, of you know, some debris getting stuck to it by some CGI people, which is Star Trek's been doing since Voyager. Um, and then later on, gives the shot of it going through the debris. Yeah, well, like, all they could have done is just flown out of the Enterprise and then gone, you know, like, magnetise the hull or something and it got, boop, done. Yeah. And we're good. Yeah. That would have been enough. But, yeah, it felt a little know, lazy. The Starfleet armour again, they're all wearing it. I think it's cool. Yeah. I, I really like the look of that armour. Yeah, I did see something online. Um, it might have been about the Kajal episode. might have been an old mate on um, Trek Culture or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, Sean Ferrick? Yeah. Wasn't, didn't like the fact that in the, in the flashbacks on Kajal, they were wearing that armor. Oh, yeah. And he was like, that. oh, but they should have been wearing like the Discovery era, like black armor. And I'm like, no. Like, because while Discovery was doing all their stuff, like in season two of that, you know, Spock and 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 Uhura and uh, uh and Una and Pike. When Pike first showed up, he was in his yellow uniform. I was like, in this wearing... era of Star Trek, 
all the ships seem to have like their own logos and mm. their own uniforms and all that sort of. It's not all exactly the same like it is in like next gen era. Yeah, and, and there is even still like changeovers between like the next gen uniform and the Voyager uniform and then the first contact uniform and, and then the lower decks uniform. Yeah, and like this. Yeah, so it's just like no, that's that's fine. Yeah, I don't, it all fits. Yeah, it doesn't it's not a problem. And like the less connection to discovery, the better. <laughs> all right, one thing. So when Erica is piloting the shuttle down towards the planet's surface, mm. great. She's enjoying it. You can see that. Biggest grin on her face. I love that. Loves it. Yeah. Um, Pike's like, yep, you were born for this, Erica. But I think that shot where a shuttle is screaming towards the surface of a planet and then it dips below the tree line and then comes out, I think that's way overused in sci-fi. Yeah, and it's like, like we, we know they're not going to crash. Yeah, exactly. And like, if they did crash, it'd be... Just total destruction. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's no way they they won't they won't like skimming the planet and they're just gonna go like skip 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 and then land. No, they were just headed directly for it. So it's yeah, it's yeah. I think I think that's sort of it's a bit of a thing that's overused in sci-fi. Yeah, it's a cliche. Yeah, it very very much is. Yeah. Anyway, Spock is scanning the debris for survivors, and they even say that the Cayuga sick bay is gone, which makes you go, oh, maybe Chapel is really gone. Well, see, I took issue with that. Okay. Chapel's not serving aboard the Cayuga. No, so why would she be why in the sick bay? Yes, she was helping out on the planet, giving some inoculations and stuff like that, but why would you assume, especially given we see her in the bar on the Enterprise more than we see her in sick bay half the time. Oh, she's a party girl. Yeah, what's <laughs> the assumption that on the ship that she's just using as transport to get to, to her thing that she needs to go to, why would you just assume that she's in sick bay? She just beamed up too. I'd say she literally beamed up was there for all of 20 seconds before the ship got destroyed, I reckon. Yeah, well, that's it. We don't even know the length of the battle between... Because obviously, like, the Gorn ship obviously managed to come in and get around the Enterprise to, like, enter the atmosphere. So we can assume maybe it did that, dropped, you know, some Gorn and dropped the the beam, the, the, the interference thing, and then would have had to have gone back and left orbit again to then engage the Enterprise. So it's like, again, show your work. Let us know. Tell us that the battle went for... Tell us, you know, tell tell us that Spock found the black box or whatever and he got some recordings and the the Cayuga lasted six minutes against the the Gorn ship or something like that. Give us, give us more. Give us, you know, explain it all, you know? That's, yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know? I feel like they've really been letting Spock slack off this season. He hasn't really been a very good science officer this season. No, no, you're right. Yeah, he. He's like, we we know Spock has got so much more ability than what we've seen. Yeah, just from the last season. Yeah. So yeah, you're right. Yeah, I feel like Ahura's been solving a lot of the problems that the chief science officer should be solving. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I was. Yeah, he's just. They've been letting him slack off this season. I don't like it. Anyway, they, they get down onto the planet and they're patrolling the town where apparently they had five thousand people that were living there. Yeah, and mm. there seems to be a hell of a lot of blood and, you know, guts and, you know, skin and stuff all around the place. So the Gorn have had a good feeding while they were down there, I'd say. Yeah, I guess. All right, so that they shoot, they shoot younglings, you know, the, the the very young Gorn, and it works, which is great. So, which kind of surprised them a little bit. That they were actually able to kill these Gorn it's with like, their new oh, weapons. Oh, the thing that we were given to solve our issue solved our issue. Yeah, and I'm I was surprised like, well, by that. 
How, how did they test though previously that it was going to work? Like that's what I want to know. Very true. So like they were like, yep, these are our new Gorn killing phases and our Gorn mm. um, detecting tricorder type things. And like, okay, how do we know that they're going to detect them? Because there weren't even any like Gorn bodies they could really study, weren't they? Because yeah. it's like in that episode last season, the last surviving one that wasn't like, oh no, maybe there were a couple of bodies longer. I just remember that last one that they had to like turn to to um, ice and then like Laan shattered it. Which is, you know, this is one of the things which wow. is making me think that because of these secret weapons and something, section 31 is somehow involved. Yeah, maybe. Like, I don't know. I could be they way do off like base black there. stuff. Yeah. yeah. That, that's why I'm thinking there's something to do with section 31 here as well. I hope not. And I hope not too. Yeah. I, re- I really do because really section 31 can be a little bit overdone sometimes. Yeah. Oh, just on the... um. Uh, the Spock and the scanning and the chapel stuff as well. Spock says things didn't end well between him and chapel and they were in a fight. Well, yeah. We didn't see any of that. The last time we saw them, they were singing at each other. Well, no. Well, yeah, singing at each other. Chapel sang at Spock. Spock went off in a huff, sang a song to Uhura and they looked at each other awkwardly on the bridge after the group number. Yeah. And that's it. And now chapel's on the Cayuga. Show your work. Like, if <laughs> if you're going to... Like, I feel like the whole this whole season, this whole Chapel Spock thing was handled so poorly. We didn't actually get to see any of the relationship. We, no. saw, we saw them make out. We saw them play chess. And then it's been CW style. We saw them sing at each other and yeah. it was done. Yeah. And they never had the conversation. Like, Show us. We want to know. Like, we want to explore humanity. Sp- Spock is is exploring his humanity. We want through his relationship yeah. with her. Yeah, we haven't seen any of the relationship. Like, it's not a good sign if Tom Paris and Belana Torres have a healthier relationship than <laughs> than Spock and Chapel. You know what I mean? And I don't know what next season holds in terms of. I hate to say it, but I think Boimler destroyed their relationship. <laughs> <laughs> and again, we didn't see any any of them talking about it from there. I think the last time we saw them talk about their relationship was in the Klingon episode where she was like experiencing like PTSD and all that kind of stuff. And Spock's like, I'll give you your space, you know, cause I know I, I kind of, but that had nothing to do with them breaking up over her taking the fellowship or any of the, like mm. we need, to, and it's like, it's so, they, they just sort of touched on the relationship like slightly they, they didn't explore yeah. what I think they probably should have. And yeah, and then I, even, I guess they've only got 10 episodes, so... Yeah, that's what I mean. But like, even when Boimler um, sort of put his foot in it, <laughs> Boimler had a conversation with Chapel, and then off-screen, Chapel and Spock seem to have had a conversation we didn't see, but then we see Spock talking to Boimler about them having a conversation about it. Yep. But we never saw the... You know what I mean? You're going to bring two legacy characters of Chapel and Spock onto this show, but she then kind not of, show us... Doesn't she kind of break up with him through one of the songs last week? Well, no, she just said, I'm I'm happy to... I'm, I'm taking this... I'm ready, was her song. Yeah. Like, I'm ready, you know? But they didn't have a fight. They no. didn't talk. How can you have a fight when she sang and Spock walked out of the room? Is that a fight? Well, maybe that was a Spock outburst. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry that we got to see that outburst. Um, yeah, I, I just think, 
I, I want to see more. And then, yeah, going forward, like, we know that Jess Bush isn't leaving the show. Like, she's staying around uh, if the show comes back. Yeah. Well. Um, and it's like, well, we know that you, you mentioned last week before, like, the guy that she ends up getting engaged to in the original series is who she was going to do the fellowship yeah. with. So it's like, I just, just be two adults and talk about it. You know what I mean? Because I don't want all of next season to then be a love triangle because Chapel and Ooh, Spock yeah. didn't sort their shit out and now Chapel's into this guy. Well, because like even with this episode, like after Spock, and we'll talk about it a bit more later, after he sort of rescues her, they were like, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about this later. Yeah, there's time later. I'm like, oh. It's like, like, is there still something going on between these two for the moment or... I don't know. Like, where are they leaving it? They obviously still care about each other. Oh, of course. Like, otherwise he wouldn't have gone over there. And why did they they actually break up? Because she's going away and it makes no... It it happens... You know what I mean? Like... Yeah, it's... They're they're both officers who work on a starship who get posted places. Um... Pike and Battelle seem to be making it work and they're on two completely separate ships. Yeah. um, And did you notice at the beginning they mentioned last week's episode as well? Oh, yeah. When you said I'm not bursting in a song. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I just just don't... I don't know what, as an audience, we're supposed to be getting out of the Chapel-Spock relationship because, A, we're not seeing it. So why do I care? I'm not invested in their relationship because I haven't seen it. At least it's not like a Spock and Uhura relationship. Like the movies. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. <laughs> like the JJ movies. Yeah, that's right. I'd forgotten about I still don't know how I feel about that. Yeah, wow. Wow, that's going to put some weird context into this show, isn't it? <laughs> Jesus. Like, I'm, I'm glad I'm not getting any Strange New Worlds for another year so that I can try and forget <laughs> about that. Uh, anyway, so they go and hide in the barber shop from the dozens of younglings going down the street there, which I thought, I thought that was cool that they've all gone through and hidden in the barbershop. One thing I did notice, though, La'an, as she goes to grab the... um, It's like a bookshelf they go to grab to put across the door. Mm. Instead of just grabbing the bookshelf and sticking it across the door, first of all, she grabs a handful of books off the shelf, pulls them off, and then moves the shelf. Because that's the last thing you would want is... (laughs) I was just like, move the fucking shelf. Yeah, because it's supposed to be barricaded. You need weight to barricade (laughs) your door. So let's make it lighter (laughs) before we barricade the door. She just grabbed like the, the top shelf. All ripped all the books off. I'm like, just push the bloody shelf yeah, over. Wow, that, yeah, that was a weird. I didn't notice that. that no, I, I noticed it straight away. I'm like, you want that weight there to hold it closed. Yeah. Oh, God. Anyway, back on the Enterprise, Uhura asks for Pelia's help. And I, I missed, I've, tr- I've watched it twice now, and mm. both times I've missed exactly what Pelia said to her. What like, do you mean? So Uhura says, she asks for her help, something to do with the communications. Yeah. And then Pelia says something, and both times I've missed it. I should probably turn on the... Uh, I, I watched I watched the subtitles. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's funny you mentioned it, because I actually did write this down, because it harkens back to my issue I have with the opening credits, is that Pelia's talking about the fixing the power conduits for the deflector shields. <laughs> Which, what do deflector shields do? They deflect space debris from hitting your ship. Yeah. What's that quote-unquote cool shot of the Enterprise in the opening credits? It's flying through a debris field and all the debris is hitting its multi-vectored shielding like its deflector shield isn't active. <laughs> oh! Does my fucking head in. Anyway, back on the surface, the Gorns seem to be working together. 
And this, you know, is quite unusual from what we're learning from La'an because normally these young younglings, they, they don't work together. Mm. They fight each other. And I did like, and I think it comes a little bit later, but I did like the way they start theorizing that it's because of like the coronal mass ejection and... Uh, which is the Stargate reference. Uh, well, they called it coronal mass emission in oh, Stargate. Emission. Oh, do they? No, they called it ejection in this. Oh, right. Uh, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm not. While, it's been a while since I've watched that episode. <laughs> um, it's one of my favourites, actually. Absolutely. Um, I did like that. because Window it took... of opportunity. No, no, no. I'm talking about Atlantis. Oh, so the first time they mentioned uh, coronal mass emissions... Is window of opportunity. Oh, uh, maybe that's one thing in coronal mass ejection because that's the one in Atlantis where there's like a coronal mass, like a big, like beam of, of star energy headed directly towards Atlantis, and they have to get the Daedalus to yep. um, deflect it and shit. That's what that's what I was thinking. Okay, cool. Yeah. You weren't thinking window of opportunity. No, I I didn't remember that. Good episode. In, yeah, Good episode. I, that's the timey wimey one. I don't think about any sun stuff in that. <laughs> Um, but I did like the way that they tied in for, for how sloppy they are with so much other science. I thought it was quite clever to tie into the fact yeah. that Gorn communicate using light. So a sun doing something wonky could He's affect with them. Their, the way that they act. I'm like, that's clever. I yeah, buy that. The science. It, yeah. It checks. You've shown your work and I get it. Anyway. So yeah, the Gorn seem to be working together and then Sam picks up a human signal. All right. Which... Yeah, obviously, there's some humans hiding somewhere. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, as I said before, there's blood and meat and guts and just bits of skin like all over the place. Like, Mm. it was quite gory in places there. And I was like, oh, that's that's like this um streaming era of Star Trek can show more of that. Yeah, which I I kind of like, and I know some people probably don't, but because Star Trek through a lot of its history, has sort of been kiddish friendly. Well, yeah. There has been be, episodes that haven't. General audience kind of thing. Uh, because with syndication, you don't know whether it's going to play in the middle of the day. Well, yeah, here it plays or, in the middle of the day. Yeah. So it's like with, with streaming, you can go a little bit higher um, rating on it. Um, and obviously they don't use carpet, so they can splatter blood around and they can clean it up. Yeah. Whereas Just hose it away. You splatter blood on a carpeted set and that's a lot, it's a lot harder to get out. Anyway, so. they, they get a signal from the device and they find this device and they're like, what is this? And then we get this Scottish sounding dude and I'm like, straight away, I was like, that's got to be Scotty. It took me a second, but he looked way too similar to that random ensign from the start of the yes, episode. Yes, that's what I thought too. I thought it was the same guy. And then he started talking sciencey stuff with a Scottish accent and I went, oh, don't you fucking dare. Don't you fucking dare. <laughs> And then sure enough, it was Montgomery Scott. He doesn't look tall enough to be Scotty to me. He, he's too young. He's too young. He's, I don't mind that he's like a junior grade lieutenant or whatever. That's fine because he's got he's to be a lower rank than Kirk. But that actor is legitimately got to be like born in like 1997 or something like that. You know what I mean? Like maybe even 2000s. Like he's got to be on the young side. And... Scotty is older than... Scotty's the oldest guy on the ship, except for the Vulcan. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, he's a, he's a bebe. <laughs> and yeah, I, I don't... I don't just like a weird bebe. <laughs> way, yeah, he's just a weird bebe. And um, yeah, I don't, I don't like it. And again, and I'm going to hark on this. If I want to watch a show about the original series crew on the Enterprise, I'll watch the original series. 
the reason I'm tuning into this show is because I want to see Pike's Enterprise. I think we're we're starting to get too many of the original series people too early in the run. All we're missing now is Sulu and Chekhov. And we have the whole cast from the original series. Like, are we... And I've seen this talked about online as well. Like, are we almost building to a point where they're just going to redo the original series? I fucking hope. I hope not too. That's not like... I just... Like, we've done that. Like, yeah. I think the reason I liked season one so much is because they were just doing their own stuff. They weren't tying it too tightly into canon and were exploring characters like Una and Pike who were in that cancelled pilot. So it's like, well, cool, we can do whatever the fuck we want there. They they made Una an Illyrian. Great! Because that doesn't affect anything because she's nowhere else to be found. Pike was in that one episode of Next Generation, so as long as at some point he dies, which, guess, spoiler alert, all people die at a certain point... Um, they're like they're making him a fucking whatever Pelia is. Uh, night, you know. Cool. Let's do that. I want. I want to see Spock with though. I want to see Spock, Una, and Kirk. Uh, Spock, Una, and Pike doing their shit. If I want to see Kirk and his crew on the Enterprise, I'll watch the original series. And guess what? I don't want to watch the original series. I want to see like the end of Strange New Worlds, where obviously Pike is in the beep beep chair. And then he's handing over the the ship to a new crew under Kirk. That's what I want to see at the end. Well, again, like I was saying before, there was that weird thing where if when they're trying to stick to certain pieces of canon where they went, oh, well, in the original series, Kirk said he met Pike once. Um, uh, he was a, as, a fleet, as a fleet captain. Yeah. Well, that's happened. Mm-hmm. Pike can't then hand over control of the Enterprise to Kirk at any point. Because then Kirk would have said, oh, yeah, the guy that gave me the ship that we're currently captaining. So there has to be some kind of... Is there another captain between? Is there a captain between? Could we explore that? Is there just some, you know, once... While he's getting fitted for his beep-beep chair, they just give him the ship. Yeah, and then, yeah, that's it. While, while Pike's, you know, um, got munted, the ship goes back to space dock. <laughs> munted. And, you know, the ship gets red. Because it's like, yeah, we, we don't know... Like, when Kirk took command of the Enterprise, we don't know... Like, we know Spock was already an officer on there. We didn't really know anyone else was already an officer on there. They've established um, Uhura was an officer on there. How long does Spock actually serve on on a version of the Enterprise? A long time now that I think about it. Well, his entire career, because if... Was he there for April's first five-year mission? Or did he come on after? Like he was uh, probably he came the on first one after, there. based on that short trek. The I am the very oh that's, yeah because that was like his first. He, that's he was right, yeah. Ensign, as, and it was like his first day on the Enterprise. Yeah, when he gets stuck in the elevator with Una. Yeah, yeah right. and then he go and Pike is the captain there. So, but yeah, it's like so when when Kirk takes command of the Enterprise eventually, it's like is Scotty already there? So he's is. How many of them are already there when Kirk takes command? Does he bring people with him? Uh, I mean, obviously, we're getting ahead of ourselves. We don't know if Scotty is going to join the crew next year or take over from Pelia or whatever. There might be some overlap. But the way they've been rotating through all these engineers, who fucking knows? But it's like, why do I want to watch a show? Is he going to serve as like a junior yeah, is he engineer be, on yeah, the ship I mean, as well? He and Pelia seem to have a really good back and forward, like, you know. Um, towards the end of the episode, but it's like, 
are we just then just at that point I just feel like we're just biding our time until Sulu shows up because Chekhov wasn't even in like the first season of original series I don't think he was a late addition to because he looked like one of the monkeys so <laughs> they wanted to get on hey, that hey hey we're the monkeys um so it's like what are we going to do we're just going to wait around and then kill off Erica god forbid throw throw Sulu in there and then get rid of Una at some point mm. and then suddenly like I don't want it to butt up that tight against it. No. You know? So I'm like, why? I, I would hate to see them kill off Erica. I'd like to see her be promoted and moved on to somewhere else. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, but then obviously at some point... <coughs> oh, sorry, that's the other person, Bones. Yeah, He's Bones, yeah. Obviously um, at some point Mbenga steps down as chief medical officer and Bones steps in. But then Mbenga is still serving... On, the, on Enterprise? the Enterprise, which is weird. And that's also weird because you don't really see any other doctors on the Enterprise currently. It's always just in Benger and Chapel. And right now as well, now that I think about it, like Chapel, she is obviously a nurse, mm. but they almost treat her like another doctor. Yes. So, like, I don't know, does nursing change a lot more in the future? <laughs> Well, yeah, when you look at Nurse Agawa, she's literally a lower decker. Like, yeah. she's she started the lower decks thing. Um, yeah, it's weird. And obviously, we don't even know at this point what their ranks are in terms of, like, Chapel and Mbenga. I'm sure it's on her wrist. Like, I just... Have, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't understand their ranks yeah. at the moment. Um, so, it's like, yeah, just instead of tying us up with all this canony stuff, explore the stuff that needs... Expanding out. Mm. You know what I mean? Explore these characters that you've introduced. Yeah. It sounds like we hate this episode, but we actually don't. So I'm just frustrated, I think. <laughs> More reasons than one, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Sco- All right. So, Scotty takes them to a diner where there's a heap of survivors in there. And Battelle happens to be I'm there as well. so impressed that you're picking up where they're going. I, it, they were just moving from one one pile of rubble to another for a life. It looked like a diner to me. I, it was all rubble. <laughs> it totally looked like a diner. <laughs> no, nah, I was just like, and ex- except for that one point where Pike specifically says, head to the barber, which again is weird because then everyone has to look around and find where the barber is instead of him just going 10 o'clock. You know what I mean? Like, it was like right there. <laughs> they were on a main street. And he's like, head for the barber. And everyone's going to be like, where the fuck is the barber? That's what I've been doing. I don't know. It was over there on the left. Yeah. But then it's like, yeah, it was all just, it was just random piles of um, debris to me. Mm. I was Erica. I was like, what is, what is all this? What is all this stuff? <laughs> that, was, that was me. Every she's time definitely been to the barber. You can tell by that sharp haircut she's got. Absolutely. All right. So anyway, Scotty, yeah, he's talking about, uh, yeah, studying the coronal mass ejections. And that's what brought out the Gorn. And yeah, Maddie and I have already spoken about that. Yeah. Yeah. That's when Mbenga and Erica talk about Christine and their you know, mutual friendship with her. Oh, and obviously Pike and, and Battelle meet up again. Yeah, of course. Like, yeah. Pike and Battelle meet up and yeah, like, she, she gives him a I big hug. I know. They're doing the whole Han and Leia thing. <laughs> All right. So anyway, so Spock and... Oh, wait. She does say though... They kind of only just hired maybe like five or ten extras to just like lay around around her, be like, "Oh, where was left of the of the colony?" Out of five thousand people, yeah. And she, I think she does say there's a couple of hundred of them, but we only see like five. But the problem with that is then she says, "Well, we can't all fit in the shuttle." And as we've established, they have these giant fucking shuttles that they're in, and it's like every single person I saw could have fit in that shuttle. One hundred percent have fit in that shuttle. Yeah. 
So I'm thinking there's like some other buildings that are attached to that where there's more people, but yeah, more than just the diner. Yeah. So anyway, so back on the enterprise, Spock and uh, Una, they're talking a bit, uh, they're talking and then Uhura and Pelia find the Gorn point of origin of the jammer. Right, and Again, then they, they come up with a plan. The science there, I was like, well, they're inside this bubble where stuff is being jammed. They don't have sensors or transporters. They didn't have any sensors to be able to detect people on the surface or anything about like quantum people on the surface, but they were able to like triangulate where the signal was coming from on the dark side of the planet mm. that they can't get access to. And I'm like, if I'm, if I'm a, even as, as a giant human being, if I'm holding a basketball and there's an ant on the other side of the basketball, even if that ant is singing, I'm not going to know where the fuck it is. No. That's science. That's space science. You know what I mean? When you're dealing with celestial bodies. And it was established in like... Um, uh, trouble with Tribbles even, like me going back to, to my DS9 knowledge, they specifically mentioned the type of sensors that the Enterprise uses and the way that the Defiant is able to decloak, transport on board it without them knowing and then recloak without ever being exposed. Like that's how basic ass the sensors are on the Enterprise. And I'm supposed to believe that Pelia and Uhura can find an ant on the backside of a basketball <laughs> while they're wearing a blindfold, get fucked. <laughs> I'll believe a lot of shit. I'll believe a lot of shit. And again, do you know who should have been sorting that out? The science officer? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, the science officer, like, exactly. Yeah, anyway, so they come up with this plan to crash the Cayuga saucer into it. And then I liked how... Pelia was like, I would have given Una an A for that idea at yeah. Starfleet Academy. I thought that was funny. And that was just that little throwback. My favourite moment just before that was just before they come onto the bridge to want to talk to Una and Spock about it. Uh, Spock says, oh, he detects more um, uh, Gorn ships coming in. And Una just goes, I can't make this alert any redder than it already is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, that's excellent. We're definitely not going to black alert. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Um, this is the point where I'm like, okay, hang on. So we're going to use the saucer section. We're going to crash it into the planet. Okay, yeah. cool. But potentially at this point, there are still people alive on there that we need to rescue. 100%. Right. And we rescue one person and it just uh, happens. She rescues herself. Well, kind of. Yeah. And conveniently because of plot armor is the only person that we see on board that entire saucer, alive, alive, right, and that's some hardcore bullshit right there. There, I'm thinking there definitely would have been other people alive on that thing, and we just mm. we didn't even consider like anything else. Like, surely there was something else that we could have, you know, like grabbed a um a nacelle or something that was floating and crashed that well, into the planet instead yeah. of the saucer. I think again, they should have showed their work there a little bit more because there was that line where. They say we need to find a piece of debris big enough to destroy this thing that we don't know how big it is or where it is, but it needs to survive re-entry. Mm-hmm. I need them to show their work and look, scan the debris or whatever and then come to the realisation that the saucer section is the only thing that will survive re-entry. Yep. 
Maybe all the other pieces would burn up beforehand. Potentially, yeah. But then, then in classic Star Trek tradition, they should then be dealing with the moral dilemma of anyone that's still we alive. don't know if anyone's still alive over there. Not just worrying about Chapel. There's a whole fucking crew of Starfleet officers over there. Um, and then I have some more issues with the science, but we'll get to that once they actually implement it. Anyway, back down um, on the planet. Well, I, I did want to say uh, during that meeting, um, they talk about... It was funny because I've watched the episode twice now. I watched it once for enjoyment and then watched it again for, for notes and that kind of stuff. And in the meantime, I did look a little bit online on what people were saying. And there seems to be a lot of confusion around Spock saying he's the only one that can do it. Yeah. Now, when I first watched it, I thought he me- they meant that Spock was the only one that could make the calculations. That's what I thought too. enough to do what needs to be done. Then other people thought, because then, because then, when he's the one that goes onto the sh- onto the um, saucer section, I'm like, well, no, you can just send any grunt to do that. He should be the one on the ship, telling them where to place it, and then he should be activating it from the ship. Blah blah blah. blah. He shouldn't have been the one to go and do the spacewalk. But then other people were saying, like, the way they interpreted it was like, well, he's the only one strong enough and smart enough to, A, lift those retro rockets on their own and place them exactly where they needed to be, like, in the exact right thing. They're in space, so it wouldn't take a lot to lift them. Yeah. that's what. <laughs> I, and also it's like, well, Spock could give the instructions, that, okay, well, I need you to place this on precisely 90 degrees on this spot of the ship, like, I feel like anyone could do that. So, if anything, I feel like that scene needed to be better written in that maybe he had the idea. Not Instead of instead of Pelia and Uhura coming up with that idea, them, them having a way to locate the thing is fine. I think... Because it's like, if Spock's the only one that can place those rockets where they need to be precisely if, if the if the whole mission sort of relies on that wouldn't Pelia and Uhura have dismissed that as not being possible because like oh it's not human possible to do that so that can't be part of our plan so they need to be the ones to figure out how to locate the tower which they did but I feel like they needed to swap some lines around where Spock was the one a as the science officer which is his job he should have been the one to say, okay, well, if it's the saucer, then we need to place retro rockets on it and then give it a, a decayed orbit. And then for the other chicks, like the women in the room to go, well, no, that's that's impossible. You can't do that. And him to be like, no, I can do it because he holds that information. Mm. So I just think it was poorly written in was- a roundabout way. Just to try and get that emotionally manipulative thing of him being like him still thinking Chapel is alive on the saucer section and him being the one to plant the things that are going to destroy the saucer. Like, yeah, at the end of the day, it was just an excuse for him and Chapel to, yeah, to rescue each other basically. Yeah, and really, it kind of it falls flat given that only two episodes ago you had that really amazing Mbenga moment in those flashbacks where when old mate was stuck in the transporter buffer that was saving his life and 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 Chapel was like, oh, what are we going to do? And Benga just calmly and just went, Clears boom, the pattern. done. And because, hey, remember what, like, the what's the phrase you associate most with uh, uh, Vulcans? 
Live long and prosper. Okay, what's the second? <laughs> the needs of the many the good outweigh of the many those. Outweigh of the, few. the needs of the few. So it's like <laughs> Spock would have no problem sacrificing Chapel to save all the people on the planet. Yeah. So it's not a thing. You know, this is um, emotional Spock learning to deal with his human but, side. But at the end of when he sang his song at the end of last week, he said, he basically said, no, nah, that's it. I'm not being emotional anymore. I'm going to be cold. I think he's still sort of got a little bit of a hang up with the emotion and still purging it, I think. Um, I just think it's lazy. Yeah, I, don't, I, I, I can see that. Mm. Yeah, and anyway... Back on the planet, Pike decides to try and sneak off and then Battelle stops him and, yeah, Scotty's eavesdropping on them as well. Like, I can see why Pike wanted to go off to protect his girl so he could destroy whatever it is there that's stopping everything. But then Battelle's like, uh, uh, uh. Well, I don't even know if it was that. Like, as far as I could tell, he just wanted to go and get that tech that Scotty had on his shuttle. It was, wasn't until they got to the shuttle when after Patel demanded she go too, which is fine. She's he doesn't even know where the shuttle is, though. Like, get Scotty to go do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, it's <laughs> only Patel later on that says, well, no, you need to take the this tech back with, with Scotty and I'll go fly the, um, the shuttle to destroy the tower, which is the first time she's mentioned the tower since... Like our team landed. At no point did they talk about the tower in the entire episode. Like when, when the away team landed, they noticed the tower. Um, but at no point did they talk to suddenly. So suddenly, Battelle just had all the information. And again, it's like we need to see that work. We need to see them pooling all their information and resources. Like good, good sci-fi. I mean, call it cliche if you want, but to me, it's like, well, it's like. Pike's group has this piece of information that they can't do anything on their own. Battelle's group has this piece of information they can't do anything with on their own. People on board the Enterprise have this piece of information that, you know, they can't do anything with it on their own. But then when they all act together, it solves the problem. You pull your resources and your knowledge and that solves the problem. Um, so I just feel like, yeah, we needed to see that. We need to show them to show the working and we need to see Battelle know about the, the tower and the interference that it was causing and already have an idea, mm. you know? I, yeah. I don't know. Anyway, the back, back onto the Cayuga's saucer section. There are bodies all over the place and Christine wakes up. All right, so yeah. What a shock. She's yeah. alive. We're, we're supposed to believe that she's the only one that survived. Like, I don't buy that at all. Right, there are definitely other people alive on that saucer section. I, I am sure of it. They like, have to be. We, we can't have just the one Enterprise crewman that's on that ship mm. be the only one alive. Makes no sense to me. Yeah. But she manages to restore the life support for one hour. That was so <laughs> in weird. In her section. Yeah. Like, like, it gives stakes. Like, that's why they did it. Yeah, but just the weird, the way the computer decided. It was like, it could have just been like, um, uh, life support temporarily restored or life support restored at 5%. And then she's the one that would go, okay, that buys me about an hour. Yeah, no, the computer was like, the computer was like, this gives you one hour before we're going to fail again. <laughs> like, what com- computers don't work that way. Mm. Anyway, Spock comes over in his EV suit and is putting rockets on the hole. And then Spock flies huge, past. Huge missed opportunity. They did it in Discovery, so I'll give Discovery credits for it. 
drink. No, no, I'm giving a compliment to. Discovery. I'm still drinking because okay. we mentioned it. Okay. Um, we didn't get a close up of Spock's butt in the in the tight silver um, <laughs> spacesuit just to show them them cheeks because they showed it in Discovery in that horrible um, red red angel season. Um, and he's built. I'm drinking again. And we, we 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 figured out a few weeks ago how built Spock is. He's like he did not miss leg day, so missed opportunity there. But Chapel sees him flying past the window. She's bashing mm. on the window. He can't hear. Yeah, that's he, a little dumb. Like I guess if she was just waving, like to try and you yeah, know, to sh- she did everything else right. Like she was at no point did she feel like a damsel in distress. She was she was a scientist. No, she knew what she was doing. Like she pulled the torch out and was like when she saw the Enterprise and like communicating with she was doing everything right. And she just had that one dumb moment where she banged on the window. <laughs> yeah, I was like, come on, stop it. And I'm like, <laughs> come on, mate. Anyway, she finds her own EV suit, which was great. Yeah. I thought that was good. Yeah. Anyway, Scotty's shuttle again, Gorn Youngling on the shuttle now. Alright. And then Oh the little baby, the wee yeah. baby. And then Battelle, like it's that Throwback to like um, the alien movie where yeah. they've got the the alien and uh, Ripley facing each other, yeah. and that's what that was like. And I was like, oh, that's really cool. Like I enjoyed that. Yeah. And then the second it stopped, like it, it didn't continue attacking. I was like, oh, she's infected. Yeah, she's got them. Yeah, she's got the eggs. Which is something I was going to mention before. I don't. I I do like this added element that they've added to the Gorn from Strange New Worlds that like they use us for breeding and they've, they've yeah, got it's very alien. <laughs> But then it's like, well, so you're either going to get eaten or bred by a Gorn. Is it just random chance? Do they just eat until they're full and then they spit on you to, to breed you? And then it's like, well, where are all the other people who are infected? You know what I mean? Is she the only one in that entire group of survivors that's well, infected? Like what... It's just annoying that there's there's two outcomes now to into an interaction with a Gorn. You either get eaten or you get bred. And then die anyway. Yeah. So it's just like, I don't know. So all the other people that they've probably laid their eggs into, have they already been beamed up at this point, potentially? Because later on... Well, and nobody, we'll, no, Nobody's been beamed up. Yes, they have. Into the Gorn ship. Oh, that's yeah. Well, that doesn't matter. That's yeah. That's later. That's later. But yeah, have potentially they um, already beamed up some people that we didn't see? Is what I'm saying. Well, yeah. No, that's what I'm saying too. It's like, what is Patel the only person in that entire group that's that's been infected or not? Like, yeah, are, what? There, are there others? Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's that's what I want to know. Anyway, uh, on the Cayuga, Chapel comes face to face with an adult Gorn in a spacesuit, trying to input command codes. Now, I thought that was that pretty was cool. I liked that, and I liked their spacesuit. I think it's a nice way to remind us that they are a sentient species with space travel. Yes, but I, I'm um, also wondering, right? Because, like, as a human, we can get into a spacesuit ourselves. Yeah. How the hell does a Gorn get into a spacesuit with that tail and everything? Yeah, and the tail... Is it, like, it has to be like the Iron Man suit where they step <laughs> into it and it goes around them. And the tail was the issue for me because I'm like... I, I think we may have spoken about it, you know before we even started the podcast for this series, uh, back when, like, season one, I was like, well, adult Gorn don't have tails. Maybe the tail falls off as, as they grow older and get bipedal. Because in season one, we only saw, like, the young, um, chest-bursty, youngling-type style Gorn. So I'm just like, yeah, I'm just trying to wrap my head around, like, this Gorn and then the arena Gorn. And then wasn't there even a Gorn in um, Enterprise as well for, like, a split second? Oh, uh, there was a Gorn in Lower Decks. No, but there was one in Enterprise as well, I think, like just for 
I don't think you see the whole thing. It's just like a blink and you'll miss it. Yeah, I don't remember that. Um, thing in there. Um, but yeah, so I'm just trying to like, I, I want them to explain it to me like I'm far, like I'm five, um, about why these Gorn have tail and, and what the difference is between these Gorn and the Gorn from Arena and like, like it just, it just seems annoying. And yeah, do they surgically remove the tails at some point in their life? I are, mean, are they a separate species of Gorn from the same planet? Are yeah, they not gone? I mean, there's a whole subplot in Dragon Ball Z about Saiyans removing their tails so they don't turn into giant killer monkeys. You know, <laughs> like <laughs> it's a thing. So it's like, what if if the Gorn only existed in one episode of Star Trek ever, like fifty years ago? We wouldn't need to say anything else. But but why do you then create a new show and go? Well, we're going to take that character that everybody knows and loves because it's so iconic, and then change everything about it and then not tell you why. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, what are we doing, guys? Explain it to me. Tell me what's going on. Stop stop drip-feeding me bullshit like it's a CW show. Yeah, that's fair. Anyway, so uh, back on the Cayuga, Spock sets the rockets and gets the saucer moving. There is some bullshit there. With the science? Yes. Yeah. Now, the plan, if you go back to the, the the part where they're in the briefing room having the chat, and Pelia says... <laughs> Maddie's gonna, got notes. We're, we're going to make some slight adjustments using those retro rockets to make it appear the Cayuga's orbit is decaying naturally. Yeah, it moves rather fast. And then at the last minute, while it's like getting close, they can use it because you just get it just where it That... Saucer section may as well have just full impulsed directly at the planet. At yep. no point is any spacefaring species going to believe that was a natural decaying orbit. So Because it, everything else stayed where it was. Correct. And like I get that like it, it's it's been a thing in sci-fi for decades. It's like sometimes the people doing the CGI do the script dirty. It happens. But that was some bullshit. <laughs> I, I think I think the CGI people just had to work with what they were given there and I don't think there was any other way they could have done it. I think so. Like it didn't it could have done a loop around the planet. Like it could like it just it just it just left the debris field and just started flying directly towards oh, yeah. the planet. It's like they didn't even read the script earlier where Peleus says naturally dec- It's not like it, I feel like it, all it would have taken is for Someone uh, in the CG department to just Google decaying orbit. <laughs> like, given that they were so specific in that, like, when um, uh, Erica was flying the ship through the debris field, like, they even mentioned, like, Lagrange points, which is such a, like, just specific thing to unnecessarily specific point to mention, which I actually really appreciate because mm. it made her sound like she knows what the fuck she's doing. CG just did him dirty. Like, it just... It was just like it was... It may as well have been Deanna at the helm of the Sorcerer of the Enterprise D. Like, in Generations. It just went straight in. Yep. It absolutely did. It yeah. sputtered in hard. Yeah, there was there was no decaying orbit about that whatsoever. So, Spock, when he's fighting the Gorn with Chapel, that looks like it's on the bridge of the Cayuga. Yes. Yes. So, yeah, they managed to get all the way inside the ship into the bridge there to fight. Yeah, you know, I'm like, okay. Well, wasn't there, wasn't there a big hole? Like where well, the, there was a massive... It was like a quarter of the hole looked like it had just been chewed out. 
No, but then also the um, the bridge. Wasn't there a big hole in the bridge? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, yeah. So, which makes me think too, like, well, the Gorn that they fought on the bridge probably wasn't the same Gorn that um, Chapel... Well, potentially. Because it's like, well, all we saw... The her, one that was trying to put in the command the codes. It's yeah. like, because she just saw her freeze up. Or did she follow it? There. Yeah, well, I don't know. Like, you saw her. You saw her hear the the computer going. I watched when I watched it. I was like, "That's the same Gorn." That's what I thought initially. But that's what I'm saying is, I, I what happened? Because there was the Gorn in the ceiling trying to input command codes. Mm-hmm. Chapel was running down the corridor because she thought it was Spock. Turned the corner and realized, "Oh fuck, it's a Gorn." Then she kind of hid behind the panel thing, and then just froze up. And then the next time we see her. She's on the bridge dealing with the Gorn that Spock's fighting. So I'm just like, I don't know. Was there more than one Gorn on there? Yeah, maybe. Like, maybe. I, I really... And, and what were they doing? Like, what was that Gorn doing in terms of trying to input incorrect command codes? So it had command codes, but they were incorrect command codes? Well, I, I don't know. Like, I don't know. Like, I think just putting in the wrong one would say incorrect command code. But then, yeah, anyway. so what, what were they looking for? That's And obviously that's something I hope that we get resolution to in part yeah. two. Um, like the Gorn yeah. are obviously a lot smarter than what we're probably giving them credit for because they're a full spacefaring civilization. Yeah, and that's what I said before. That it reminded me that they're they're a spacefaring species. So I, like, while they're driven a lot by instinct, they're also obviously yeah they have a plan. They're, they're smart. Yeah, and I really liked their spacesuits though, they like and the the claws and stuff that like yeah, I thought that was the, so um, cool. Uh, the werewolf in London, like the the inverted knees and all that kind of yeah. stuff. Yeah, it made them look really cool and yeah. intimidating. But but yeah, I, I liked also like um, how it grabbed hold of like Spock's head. You can actually see how big yeah. their claws are as well in their hands. I was like, yeah. oh, wow. And um, not to bring it up again, but I was watching the, the Trek culture ups and downs for this episode. And what I thought was quite funny is... Um, old mate said he has no issue with these Gorn having tails and compared to the arena Gorn that didn't have tails. But then he said the thing he wasn't willing to compromise on is apparently, and maybe it was in, I forget where he said it was from, but there's something mentions that Gorn can exist in the vacuum of space. So what he had issue with was even like, A, it wouldn't have needed a spacesuit, but I guess it would have because Gorn can't deal with cold. But just by breaking the the face mask and it made it look like it suffocated to death, right? It yeah. It didn't have any oxygen. Well, apparently Gorn can survive in the in the in the vacuum of space. Really? I'm gonna have to watch that one. Mm. Mm. So but I just thought it was funny that it's like, well, you can't really nitpick you can't have one without the other. You've got a you can't be okay with it having tails, but then not be okay with it not existing in the vacuum of space. True. Mm. You True. gotta Yeah, I'll just is there going to be something that happens, like which really makes the Gorn no longer a threat to the Federation? Do later on do we become friends with the Gorn? Like because um, like at the moment they seem like such a a different species that's going to be such a big problem for us for a long time in the future. Mm. I don't know like what's going to happen with them. Yeah, because it's like uh, are we? Yeah, like do what? we manage to just contain them to their own area of space? Yeah, and then what? What happens with the whole like? Because obviously we have to have the confrontation between Kirk and the Gorn when a bunch of Gorn attack Cestus Three in like five, six years or mm-hmm. whatever it is, or Cestus Two, whatever it is. Um, yeah, I don't know. And then did 
I think I read somewhere because I was yeah I was looking up some Gorn stuff and I think I read something that someone said like there was like a blink and you'll miss it. There's just like a Gorn in the background of an ep- of an episode of Lower Decks maybe. Or something yeah, there is. Like it's like a cook yeah. on a space station. Okay, <laughs> all right. Anyway, so Patel shows Pike she has Gorn eggs in her. And yeah, that sort of sets Pike like, oh, I need to save my girl type of thing. All right, the saucer crashes, Spock and Chapel escape, and Battelle wants to sacrifice herself. All right, um, transporters and comms, they come back on, and we this so this right here, the survivors beam out. All right, I noticed straight away that those transporter beams were not Federation transporter beams. I noticed that straight up. I was like, that is not the Enterprise beaming them out. I, I think it was done really, really well. Yeah, I kind of, because they played the Federation beaming sound. It just looked odd. Yeah. They were still yellow, but they were a little more green. Oh, greeny. Yeah, I was like, and that is my, not ours. I just remember looking just going, oh, they could have done a better pass on that because the audio sold it for me. It wasn't until a few seconds later when Spock says, we haven't beamed anybody up, I went, Oh yeah, no, like straight away I was like, that's the Gorn beaming yeah. him out. I was like, oh no. Anyway, yep, we, this is where we learn that Pelia knows Scotty and he was her best student, although he took on some of her um bad character traits, I guess. Yeah, she said something along those lines. Oh, I thought she said he was her like worst student. Oh, I thought she said best student. Oh, I thought she knew she was like he was really good, but he just scored really poorly with her or something. Because then she's like nitpicking at him when he's holding like his text. She's like, "What is? What, what is, is all this? of this?" Yeah, no. So yeah, I think there could be a fun dynamic between those two. But yeah, it seems like the Gorn have um, taken all of the humans that were on the planet and beamed them all up now. Yeah, like it was when I had the moment of oh, that's when I straight away went, "This is going to be a two parter, isn't so, it?" Because uh, so it, like if. That had been our beaming technology. We would have beamed up, taken off, end of the episode, not a problem. And that was when I was like, oh, this is going to be... T-. That's when I went, it's going to be a two-parter. It's going to be a two-parter. Um, as soon as, um, yeah, we realised that it wasn't wasn't our beam. So, for me, like, when I watched this the first time last night, because this is one of those rare episodes where Maddie and I haven't watched it together, just because, you know, cause, you know mm. things have not turned out that way. But... To me, like, say at the end, like, the best of both worlds, right, yeah. at that to be continued, I was like, when I first saw that, I was like, oh, my God, mm. like, what's going to happen type of thing? And, like, it just didn't feel, like, it didn't have that for me Yeah, on this. Like, I know a lot of people online have said it had that for them, though, but for me, uh, it just didn't. No, no, I wasn't. I was just surprised at the fact that, oh, we're getting a two-parter. I was kind of taken out of it and been like, Oh wow! Stranger Worlds has never done two parts so far. This they, they've they've never done a cliffhanger like this. This is it. I was like, oh, um, but as, I'm like, well, like like we were saying before, it's like, well, we know Chapel's going to be okay. We know like the the part who were the crew that were beamed up with all the survivors would have been Mbenga, Erica, and Laan. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, we know they get Mbenga back. Yeah, so is is it going to so, be like a, a Best of Both Worlds Part 2 where they have to go rescue them or are they going to rescue themselves because they've got Mbenga with them? Yeah. Like, oh, don't, you know, don't, like, don't and leave Erica, Laana But you know, you, you know what I'm uh, saying. Don't um, Erica out of it. Um, yeah, I'm like, well, we know that at least one of the people that was um, taken by the Gorn survives the show. So I'm like, well, of course we're going to get at least some of them back. So I was like, um, it was kind of cool the way it was the... You know the slow mo captain. What are we need orders? What are we gonna do? What are we gonna do? That was fine, but yeah, that that moment to me 
wasn't as big as well, I mean for you best of both worlds for me I think my biggest one was um the end of season five of Voyager with Equinox mm. when Janeway gets hit by one of those um, being one of the beings that kills on touch and you told the entire episode one touch kills and you're like <laughs> Janeway literally can't survive that and then they kind of fucked it by like getting up she's just got like one little scar on her face she's like that was lucky like it was a lame sort of recovery on the back end of that but that was and then I didn't see the DS9 stuff live, but I feel like the end of season five when, like, they basically, like, when uh, Cisco, like, um, uh, decommissions the state, like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, not decommission. He, like, um, <laughs> damages the station. So, like, he, he writes that program that half destroys the station so that when yeah. the Cardassians take over, um, it's they take over a piece of shit station. Like, that would have been a really, really big... Um, uh, cliffhanger and that kind of thing and then joins up with the big fleet. But yeah, this one I was like, well, we know they're going to get out of it because we know that most of these characters survive to get to the next show. Like, don't so. get me wrong. Like, I did really like this episode. I thought it was great. Mm. Um, but I, I don't know. It just because it is a prequel, it doesn't have so many stakes. Yeah. And like you said, we know certain people are going to survive because of what we know about the future of Star Trek. Yeah. So. Yeah, they may as well have let they may have well like added fucking Kirk onto the show, onto this episode again and had him get beamed up. You know, it's like, well, we know all these people survive. But so I am fine. enjoying seeing like this completely alien species being the Gorn mm. and how that they're doing things and like the horror of it. And I, th- I thought we could have done a little bit more with La'an in this episode considering her experience with them. Yeah, I'm also kind of bored with that too because it's like, okay, she hates the Gorn. What else? Like, she's never going to get, she's never going to get closure on that at this point. Like, a lot of this episode did feel like it was retreading over the Gorn episode from last from last season. season yeah, you know, even with Sam, like he's like, I'm gonna go and get revenge for last time when I froze up, and so far he's done nothing. Uh, he <laughs> may as well. Oh, that's that, that's the other person who was beamed up, Sam, Sam Kirk. Kirk yeah. Well, we know he survives as well. Um, so yeah, I'm just like, there isn't any real peril there. Um, and so, and it just, it just felt like we were going over this, like going through the motions, going through similar shit that we did in the last Gorn episode and not really progressing very much. Like the only real tiny bit out of this that I felt was the progression is they're going to lean into this. Well, light can have an effect on the way Gorn act and that's how they, but they just, I feel like they're just spending too much time tying themselves in knots, trying to not get caught up in canon by trying to be tricky getting around stuff. Mm. And it's like, you're just doing... No one's forcing you to do it, guys. No, that's true. Like, you can literally write whatever the fuck you want about. And I feel like that's why, as a whole, I enjoyed last season more because so many of them were just these ones... Like, the fucking episode where Pike's into that chick who they live on that fucking night planet yep. where the kid gets put into the um, the the AI thing to hold their planet. That was fucking fantastic because it was all new shit. That was uh, Lift Us Up Where Suffering Cannot Reach. Yeah, like... Oh, some of these titles, man. They're so that's fun. a long title, that one. It, that's I think that's the closest connection <laughs> between this and Discovery is just some long-ass pretentious titles. Um, <laughs> like, this one was great. Hegemony... Perfect. Yeah, I, I, I did. I, I loved this episode overall. Um, I'm really keen to see how they finish it up. 
next season if we get a next season. Like, yeah, I really hope that we do. Knows. I mean, with Prodigy being cancelled. Um, with Paramount Plus losing 400 and something million dollars, um, plus the writers and actors strike now, mm. like, it's it's not looking good. Yeah, it could be. Sh- I, I mean, I hope... Um, well, I hope we do get that third is, season. Is, yeah, Because I hate that with shows where they just... They cancel the show at the end of a season with a cliffhanger and we never get a resolution. I well, hate yeah, that I with mean, a passion. I would 99% presume that they all went in to this episode knowing they were getting next season. Yeah. Um, obviously, they couldn't predict the writers and, and actors strike. Um, yeah, so it would suck that if... And I remember the writers strike from what? The late 2000s. 2011, was it? Was it 2007, 2009? Oh, somewhere, yeah. It was, yeah, but it was, I remember like uh, there was a season of Scrubs that ended up being like 13 episodes, a season of Supernaturals and like 13 episodes because they had to sort of wrap up quick. Uh, And then there were certain shows that just never came back. Like, I I like to say, like, with like Stargate SG1, how the last few seasons they weren't sure if they were coming back. So they made sure they wrapped everything up all Mm, the time, except for. Was at the end of season nine? I think oh, they yeah. didn't wrap up, yeah, because they kind of knew they were getting a season ten. Mm. But yeah, every other season before that, they kind of wrapped up a little bit yeah. beforehand. This, I'm just like, I really, really hope that the writers uh, and the actor strikes get sorted out, so we aren't left with just this hanging. Yeah, nothing. yeah, because it, w- it would suck that it's like you've got Mbenga, Ortegas, Kirk, and Laan, Sam Kirk. Yeah, uh, all beamed up to a Gorn ship. You've got Battelle. And then no explanation. In a, in a stasis yeah. field, and we never get resolution to any of that ever. They would ha- well, yeah, they'd have to be like the next Star Trek series, um, whenever that is. Yeah. They'd have to mention it somehow. Like, <laughs> and that's the hardest thing. It's like during strikes, and stuff, I don't know what happens in terms of contracts and all that kind of stuff, but it's like if it goes on really, really long and some of these actors' contracts expire... And they have to go and get work. They might go and get work elsewhere and then yeah. not, not be available. Like right now, suddenly... if they solved this actors and writers strike next week, I think the earliest that we would possibly get season three, episode one, would be the beginning of 2025. Yeah, I don't I don't think we're going to get any any new like, um, Strange New Worlds next year. No, not at all. Like obviously we've still got some lower decks to come and we've still got... Prodigy uh, season two. Prodigy, and we've still got, um, was it Discovery? Oh, yes, the final like, season of Discovery. They're all written, filmed, drawn, whatever. They're done. Yeah, I'm assuming there's going to be no delays with any of those. I don't know whether... So we, could we possibly get all the way through? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't know with Discovery. I know they, they, were, filming this, they were filming season five the same time season two was being shot of... Of Strange New yeah. Worlds, these were being filmed at the same time. But then, when Discovery got cancelled, they went back and did reshoots. So I don't know whether those have all wrapped up at this point, and whether everything's in the can for. Um, I think it is season five. I think, and whether they they'll be able to release it, or and again, whether they'll want, to, like whether Paramount will want to release it. Um, if they're doing stupid shit like um, pulling the first season of Prodigy off their streaming service, so they don't have to pay shit for it. It's still on the um, streaming here. No, it's not. Isn't it? I Pro- swear I checked last week Prodigy and it was on there. Not. Pro- uh, maybe. Not. Um, 
Yeah, so I, I I don't know I don't know what the answer is, but well, the answer is obviously just to give these fucking workers what they're owed. I think I was watching a YouTube video the other day. I don't know how accurate it is, but it's like if all of these big studios, like if you if you add up everything they made, like in the last year or whatever, if all of them cumulatively, like for the total amounts, one percent of their total income of all these, say the big five or whatever, that's all the money that we take to fulfill the strikers' demands. It's not a lot, hey. So, like, come on, guys. It's 1%. Yeah. It's like fucking the Commonwealth Bank here just announced a $10 billion profit um, for the last year. Yeah, we're struggling. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, you know, uh, inc- interest rate rises month after month for the last, like, 15 months in a row or something like that. People living in their cars because they can't afford their mortgages anymore. And then the Commonwealth Bank um, posts it's a ten billion dollar ten point two billion dollars, like the highest profit they've ever had before. And the CEO got a four million dollar bonus because of it. Yep. No, ten million dollar. Uh, no, I forget. He got something high. An obscene amount of money yeah, that next, none of us will ever see. I think he might have got ten because then the the vice president got five, and then like the head of HR got like a four million dollar bonus. Oh. Must be hard to be king, eh? Yeah. Anyway. That is the end of season two of Star Trek Strange New Worlds. Now, next week, Maddie and I will be back for our end of season wrap up mm-hmm. where we will cover through the entire um, season. Yeah, kind of like what we did with um, uh, season three of Picard. Yeah. I guess. So, just out of interest, at the moment on IMDb, this episode, Hegemony, is sitting at an 8.8. So. Yeah. I personally would probably put this at about a 7.5, maybe an 8. Um, I, I liked it. Yeah, it wasn't It wasn't terrible. Like, it's it's one of those things, if you just want to switch your brain off and just enjoy some good acting and some action, it's perfectly, perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. But it's, yeah, if you have a little bit of a higher bar, you want some good sci-fi and you want some character development, stuff like that, It's a, it's not great. There was some like mistakes, I guess you could say, that the characters made, which I think mm. should have been dealt with differently. Yeah, and but, I think you know. I think the show needs either A, a science advisor, or B, a better science advisor if they have one already. Um, and like these staff writers, I think that they need to have like one of the staff writers there all the time and to keep the continuity correct. Yes. If if that they if they're doing if they're doing that, hire a new staff writer. <laughs> yeah. Like because there's some continuity things here that aren't entire. And I know like yes, there's like sixty years worth of Star Trek that they have to know, but there are people out there yeah. like the sweaties that do know this stuff like better than yeah. Maddie and I and, will and ever if, will. If you're going to bring like the whole reason you start a show using um, an, an already established IP is because it has a fan base built in. Yeah. So if you're not going to satisfy the fan base first, what are you doing? And I think making a prequel show always brings with it that danger that you're going to mess up the canon. Yeah. And I, I feel like season one steered clear enough of it that it wasn't really a problem yeah they, they didn't do a discovery yeah where they messed aside it up from the really hardcore original series fans that couldn't get past well that's not what the enterprise looks like um and all that kind of stuff that's just up to date you know yeah and it's like if, if those people couldn't get on board with that that's fine but in terms of storytelling 
it kept far enough away from canon that it was just enjoyable. It was these mm-hmm. standalone episodes that we were getting back to. Whereas this season, I think, and again, we'll get to it, we'll get to it in the next week's episode. It just it's things are getting a little muddier. I think if I had to if I had to compare this season to last season, it's like say last season were all a bunch of like every episode was saying eight out of ten. And just everyone was an eight out of ten. Mm-hmm. I feel like here we had some nine and ten out of ten episodes, but we also had some like Sixes, fives. I'd say some fours. I had some fours in there as well. Yeah. So it's very hit and miss. So they're they're taking more chances and they're swinging wide on a few things. And some things are hitting, some things aren't. So they're taking risks, good on them, but not risks don't always pay off. We'll we'll talk about it more next week. But yeah, just looking over the ratings for this season, I kind of agree with most of them actually. So, but anyway, we'll talk about that next week. Yeah. All right. I can't tell you what the next episode title is going to be because they haven't released that yet. Mm. So, Maddie, where can we find you on socials, my friend? Uh, on Instagram at HighPitchMaddie, H-I-G-H-P-I-T-C-H-M-A-T-T-Y. And you can find myself at Geek in Camo. Look at me. I just, just like I was a news reporter, I just like bundled all these napkins together and just like tapped them. Because like <laughs> we, we had Subway for lunch, so we've got to excess of napkins on the table. Like I was a newsreader, just like wrapping up, going, we'll catch you next week. Okay, guys, girls, and Janai. Girls, guys, and Janai. There it is. All right. We will see you next week for our wrap-up of Season 2 of Strange New Worlds. See you later. The Gorn. Get into Geek.